When you think of influential characters in the Bible, the name Jethro probably doesn't come to mind. Today, we're going to talk about one of the lesser-known people in the Bible, but though his time in Scripture is minimal, the lessons we can learn aren't. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. Welcome back to the Pilgrim Song, Season 2, Episode 12. My name is Charlie, and this week you'll have to put up with just me one more time. Uh, Luckily, Alexander uh, should be back in town for next week's podcast, so I'm really excited about that. I'll be really excited to have him back. Uh, But either way, I'm really glad to be back with you guys again, uh, and hopefully I've got a good one lined up for you guys this week. Uh, As I mentioned in the intro... This week, we're going to give some love to someone who probably doesn't get a whole lot in the Bible. Uh, And you might even be asking yourself who Jethro is. Well, hopefully, I can give you some good reasons this week to love him a little bit more. This is actually the the second episode in the the series we're going to be doing every once in a while, hopefully about once a month, called Character Breakdown. Uh, And the character I chose this month for us to do is Jethro the father-in-law of Moses. So for those that may not know who he is, don't worry too bad. Uh, He's actually only mentioned about two, I think three times in the scriptures. Uh, In Exodus chapter two, there's one verse in Exodus chapter four. uh, And then there's a pretty good story with him and Moses in Exodus chapter 18 as well. Uh, And so we're going to dive right into this and kind of talk about who he is Uh, And then we're going to finish off talking about what are the lessons that we can take away from his life for us today. I think there's some really good ones for us to get out of this. So in Exodus chapter 2, and beginning in verse 15, it says, When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled their troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Reuel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Here we find out uh, a few things about Jethro. Uh, First of all, this story takes place immediately after Moses killed the Egyptian. So uh, as you guys may remember, Moses was raised in the household of Pharaoh uh, because of his mother putting him and sending him down uh, the river where he was um, taken in by Pharaoh's daughter to be a part of her household. Otherwise, he would have been at risk for being killed. That was one of the, the orders that the new Pharaoh had given um, to try to limit the population and the size of the Israelites that were living in that land. He did not like them. Uh, It says that he did not know who Joseph was. And so 
Moses is raised in a very weird way compared to the rest of the Israelites, um, being a part of Pharaoh's household itself. Um, but once he gets grown up, uh, we see that he sees an Egyptian that is being very awful towards a Jewish man. And so he rises up and he kills the Egyptian. Um, and after this happens, he goes and he looks at his own people, the Jewish people. And he saw two Hebrews, uh, th these two Hebrews that were struggling with one another. Uh, and one of them very sarcastically is like, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Uh, and so this scares Moses. And so he basically turntails and runs uh, and he heads to the land of Midian, which is where we see his story continue here in these verses. Um, if you don't know, Midian is a little south, but mostly east of Egypt. If you can kind of picture the Red Sea in your mind and how it has almost these like two fingers kind of sticking out of the north of it, making almost like this like peace sign with it. Uh, on the uh, left side of the, the left finger is the land of Egypt. Uh, and then on the right side of the right finger is the land of Midian. It's it's a part of the, what would be modern day Saudi Arabia. I don't know. I don't know if that helps or not. I'm a big geography nerd, so yeah. Um, but either way, we, we see that he goes to this land of Midian, uh, and he ends up dwelling there for actually about 40 years, as we find out later, um, being a shepherd, uh, a part of Jethro's household. Um, and here we see he meets up with Jethro's daughters. He saves them, he helps them in the situation, and he is rewarded by being able to dwell in the house of Jethro uh, and actually being able to take one of his daughters, Zipporah, as his wife. And we see they have their first son in this story as well. So we don't actually see the name of Jethro being used in this story. We see the name of uh, Reuel, which actually means friend of God. Um, and I'll let you guys determine whether or not he's of the most high God or he's of, you know, just regular God's lowercase G, because we do see that he is a, he is referred to as a, the priest of Midian. So there's a lot of controversy around this. A lot of people like to debate whether or not he's a priest of the most high, like we saw with Melchizedek, uh, our last character study, or if he is just a priest of, you know, lowercase g god at the time as well because that was obviously a big part of the world at the time we see that especially like in egypt right where they have all kinds of gods and things that they worship um but i'll, I'll leave that up to you guys what you guys want to decide on that um but we do see that later on right he does eventually know who yahweh is and we see him recognize his power and we see this later in chapter 18 which is actually where we're going to be heading next uh, and in Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, it says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, and after he had sent her home, along with her two sons, the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his two sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. 
And he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare uh, and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian for Israel's sake, and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done in Israel, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So here we find out that Moses had actually sent his wife Zipporah and his sons home. Uh, And then we see Jethro's response, right? When he heard about what happened, how God had delivered him from the hand of the Egyptians, he brings his wife and his sons back to him. And we also get a glimpse in this passage of the relationship that he had with Moses, especially in the way that they greet each other, right? This is someone that Moses, right? The, the, one of the greatest Israelites in history, the leader of this great people, bow down in respect to Jethro here when he comes out and greets him, his father-in-law. We see the great respect that he has for him uh, and almost this love that they have for each other. They have a good relationship. Uh, we also see this in the other passage that we didn't read uh, in chapter 4 that mentions Jethro, and it's just one verse where after Moses um, is told by God to go and free the people of Israel, the first thing that he does before he goes back to the land of Egypt and leaves um, Midian, he immediately asks Jethro's permission and for Jethro's blessing before he goes back. And we see Jethro give that to him before he goes goes and does that. So obviously this is someone that Moses loved and respected uh, and held in that, in that way. I think that's really important to see. Um, we also see Jethro's attitude towards God as well and his response to what all God did for the people of Israel. You know, when he says, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. And then he says a really cool line where I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Uh, And specifically in this passage and how they deal with people. The other gods in this passage we see that Jethro refers to them as dealing arrogantly with the people. And I think this is something that we definitely see and especially things like Greek and Roman mythology, right, where you have the gods are honestly kind of terrible. Like they're not they're not good people. They're not good gods. They're not loving gods. They don't really care about people. People are more like puppets for them that they use as entertainment, not really people that they love and care about, right? They're they're arrogant as, as Jethro calls them. But in this particular story, right, we see that Jethro recognizes that God is the true and ultimate God. He is the most powerful God. He is the greatest of the gods because he's not arrogant, right? He loves his people and he delivers his people. And he <laughs> delivered his people in quite a miraculous way, uh, as you guys remember from the parting of the seas. And as we'll see, continuing on to the story of Israel as well. 
God loves his people. He loves his creation. And then after this, they go and they make an offering before God and they bring in Aaron and, and the other elders of Israel and they eat bread with Moses and with Jethro together in their tent. Um, I think this is obviously a really cool story. Um, and I really love to see, right, whether or not he was already a priest of God or he was a priest of maybe some other God. Either way, he ends up in this place recognizing that no matter what all the other gods are that exist in this world, no matter what anybody else worships, right, God is the greatest. I think that's really, really awesome to see Jethro come to that in this story. But I think the biggest story from Jethro comes actually next as we kind of continue on through chapter 18. Uh, Picking back up there in verse 13, it says, The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God, and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times, Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all the land of Israel and made them heads over all the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own country. This is the last time that we see Jethro in Scripture, um, and what he leaves Moses is what I think is a really, really good piece of advice. Uh, Although Moses obviously had the backing of God. God was with him. He's still a man. And what Jethro points out to him is that if they continue down this road of doing things the way they are, where Moses basically is taking everything on his own shoulders and carrying this people alone, he's going to wear himself out and the people are also going to get worn out. And that's not going to be good for anybody, right? These people have a good journey ahead of them into the promised land and what they don't know yet anyways is what's going to happen is they're going to end up having to stay in the wilderness for another 40 years once they get there 
And so they're in this kind of in the long haul together. Uh, and so Jethro is like, Moses, you can't do this by yourself. You're going to have to delegate this. Moses is going to represent the people to God. And then there are going to be these good, godly, I think that's really important, able men representing the people to Moses. And so they do. They take this advice and they change their way. And they start this kind of new form of uh, authority uh, throughout the, the people of Israel here. Um, it gives it some sort, some sort of structure, and Moses is no longer having to just take on the entire weight of all the people on himself. So obviously, I think this story is bigger than we just see here in this passage. Uh, I think there is some really good advice that we can take, and there's some really good lessons that we can learn from it for our lives today. Because I think that we are often going to find ourselves in situations like Moses where maybe we don't even realize that we're in that situation. I'm not sure that Moses realized just how bad this was going to be until someone pointed it out to him. And when we find ourselves in those situations, I think we can take the same advice that Jethro gives Moses as well. So I'm going to take a quick break really quick, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of this. We're going to finish off the podcast today talking about you know, what can we take away from Jethro's story, from his advice and his life for ourselves today. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, as we move into the last section uh, on this episode, we just kind of want to talk about what we can learn from Jethro, right? We, we want to pull some kind of application out of it for ourselves today for us to remember. Uh, and I think there are three good lessons that we can pull out. I'm sure there's more than this, but these are the three that I want to talk about today. The first thing is listening to our elders, right? And I don't mean elders as in like the elders of the church, but uh, people that are older than us. Even though Moses was God's chosen leader of Israel, he still listened to what his father-in-law had to say. And not only that, as we discussed in the last section, and, you, and when you see the way they treat each other, like Moses highly respected Jethro. And I think that's kind of the same, or should be the same for us today, right? This is especially important for us to remember while we're young, Right? There are generations of people that have lived longer lives than us. Um, they have more wisdom and experience than we do. And so even though it may not always seem like they're giving us the best advice at the time, uh, maybe sometimes it feels like they're just out of touch with society and stuff like that today, right? You should always listen because a lot of times you're going to find really good advice uh, and what people who have lived more than you have to say. Uh, and if you don't, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest knowledge uh, and one of the biggest knowledge banks that we have, right? These people have lived their life gaining information, right? And it's one of the best things that they can do is, is to pass that on to us, and we should be willing to listen, right? And it could be maybe a mentor that you have that you listen to that's older than you, um, but it could also just be casual conversations you have with with older people. I think it's an incredibly important thing for us to remember, right? Show them the respect they deserve. 
um, and listen to what it is they have to say. I think the second point that we can pull away from this is just how important family is. We don't know a lot about Moses's family life, but we do know that he had a family. He had a wife, Zipporah, um, and he had two kids as well. Uh, and even though he sent his wife and kids back home when he was pulling uh, the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, right? we see that Jethro brings them back to him in this story because I think Jethro knew, and I think Moses as well, and the fact that he didn't, you know, fight it at all that we see, right? He knew that it was important for them to be together, right? This was his wife. These were his children, right? This was his family, uh, and they should be together. Um, so even if you find yourself doing great things like the, like leading the nation of Israel like Moses was doing, right? Don't forget about how important your family is uh, and just how important uh, they, they are in your life and where they should be. Uh, in your list of priorities as well. Um, the third thing is uh, this probably the biggest and, and probably the most obvious in the story, uh, and that is uh, to remember not to try to take on the world by yourself. Remember that you're not alone. I think this is one of the biggest pieces of advice that Jethro gave, not just to Moses, right, but to the entire nation of Israel as well. And I think it's why we have it in the story, in Exodus, right, in, in this history that we have of Israel. When I think about this, uh, when I think about the advice he gave him, I can't help but think about Acts chapter 6. Um, and that's, uh, if you're not familiar, that's where you have the apostles um, are trying to deal with the beginning of the church as a whole, uh, and, and they just don't have time to handle all of the little situations that are coming up between the brethren uh, and also trying to discern what is right and wrong from God. Um, and so what do they do? They, they reach out to try to, to delegate some of this load. So they have seven godly men uh, chosen to serve along with them. Uh, this is, I believe, the first time that we see deacons in the New Testament. Uh, and so this is something that we we still have in the church today, right? Where we have, you know, elders and deacons, and and, and I like, and I want to point out the fact that it's important that that's not neither one of those are singular, right? It's not that you just have one elder who takes on everything himself, right? You have elders, right? They they share that load. You have deacons as well, multiple servants that are appointed over the church, right? Uh, all sharing in the different loads and the different tasks that the church that they're appointed over has. And I think that we are instructed to have that kind of order for a reason. And it's the same for why Jethro is telling Moses here for this as well. And it's, it's not good for us to always have to carry all the burdens of the world around us on our back, whether it's our family, our jobs, the church, right? No matter what it is, it's not good for you to always have to carry around all of the burdens of everyone on you. And I know that's something that I myself find myself struggling with oftentimes in life where I just I just always take on more and more stress because right if if you want something done right, you do it yourself is kind of my mentality. And so I try to deal with everything that is in my life alone without trying to burden anybody else. At least that's how I look at it in my mind that if I, I delegated it, I would just be burdening someone else and I don't want to do that. Um 
But the problem is, and for those that have found yourself in this situation, you end up in the same place that Jethro is warning Moses that he and the people of Israel will end up if they continue down this road as well. And that is that you, you burn out. Um, and that's not good for your health. That's not good for the people around you either. Um, things will only get worse if that ends up happening. It affects all parts of your life, right? If you get burnt out at work, it affects your family. If you get burnt out with your family, and hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation, but it's going to affect the way you are with your brothers and sisters at church or, or with your job, right? When that happens, it bleeds over into every part of your life, and it's just not good. Um, and it's harder for you to come out of that than it would have been if you had just taken steps to prevent that sooner. Um, one of the biggest roles that we have as Christians is to be servants, right? To help others around us. And so I think that's why we, we find ourselves a lot of times taking on all of those burdens, right? Because we're supposed to be a servant. And so that's just, that's just what we do, right? We, we take on and we serve. But I got this advice um, before from, uh, I believe David Maxson was actually the first person I heard this from. So shout out to Mr. David. Um, one of the most important things to remember is that in order to be a good servant, you have to let other people serve you as well. Even Jesus made his apostles sit there while he washed their feet, right? He forced his apostles to let him serve him. Well, not forced, but, you know, I mean, in the way that he talked with Peter about it, right? He he strongly encouraged his apostles to let him serve him. That was an extremely important lesson for them to learn, right? You're never alone in life. You have each other. We have our other brothers and sisters in Jesus. But even more than that, right, we have Jesus himself, right, who is always there, willing to take our load upon himself and give us his instead. And what a wonderful and loving God it is that we serve, who is willing to do that for us. Um. And so that's just an important thing for us not to forget, right? No matter how busy you are, no matter how much you're dealing with, you're not alone, right? If you're struggling, if you feel yourself, either you're burned out already or you feel yourself about to burn out, reach out for help. Reach out, whether that's to a brother or sister, a family member, um, or reach out to God in prayer. And, and honestly, that should be your first step, right? Reach out to the Lord, and ask him for help because he will give you that. So I hope this episode uh, has provided you guys with some good information. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, if you liked it, let me know. Uh, if you didn't, you can also let me know. I love to hear your guys' feedback, whether positive or negative. Um, we, Alexander and I both would really like to take that in so that way we can learn and continue to grow and get better. Um, hopefully, you guys have gotten some good reasons to look at Jethro uh, and listen to what he has to say. Because uh, like I said, right, it's it's not much. We don't know a lot about him, right? He's kind of like Melchizedek, like we talked about last time. You don't know much about him, but their impact is heavy. And the thing that they have to say is heavy. And so that's really kind of the whole reason why we want to do these character studies is to kind of bring those messages out to us, uh, even though we may not always remember that they're there. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week as always, and I hope to see you guys again in the next one. Thank you very much.